Hey everyone, just wanted to give you a warning that there's some explicit content in this episode. So if you find this offensive, we're sorry, but make sure that there are no children or sensitive ears we're not listening. Sorry, we just warned you. Yeah, but we also don't want to offend you. If you find this offensive, stop now. You know what's offensive, and guess what? This may be offensive. Yes, it may be offensive to some listeners. So, But there's also some good stuff in there, too, so don't write us off. Just fast forward if we start talking about inappropriate things. Give us a chance, would you? We're human. We cuss. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Great Indoors. Dun, dun, dun. It's like week eight of pandemic isolation times, and today we are going to talk to our good friend, our old friend, Ryan Antua, who also goes by Brian Andalusa if you're trying to send him snail mail. Now, Ryan Antua is all kinds of things. He's a poet, he's a graphic designer, he's a web master. Creative designer. Creative genius. Yeah. Uh, Breakdancer, Instagram star, compassionate human. Lovely guy, all around. All around lovely guy. Can't say enough good things about him. And in this episode, he can't seem to say enough good things about us, which I feel good about. But just a good guy, good at affirmation, good at empathy, good at listening good at talking. So this is a long episode. We hope you're in for a long ride. Maybe you're driving across the province or something. So listen to it twice if you are. But uh, yeah, today we're going to chat with Ryan. And before we chat with Ryan, before we call him, we're going to give you a couple news updates about the little community we're building on the great indoors. Um, a few things have happened in the lives of our friends. Number one, Angela in British Columbia, Angela Pushka, who um, is our boxer friend. She ended up getting a tractor tire. Her neighbor brought one over. Shout out to good neighbors. Her neighbor brought a tractor tire over, and now she's working out even harder than before. Flipping so if you those go tires. Lil Cannon Fitness on Instagram, you will get to see her flipping tires, building muscles, fighting the good fight. Mm-hmm. What else? Tim Martin, uh, his cottage bird list has broken 100 species. That's huge. That is, that's pretty amazing. So if you don't know, what that means is in the one spot around his cottage, he goes walking around in the woods and trails and things like that. And he has identified over 100 unique species of birds in that area. We should make him a patch. Yeah, we can mail it to him. <laughs> that would be so cool. That's a great idea. I think, I mean, our bird list neighborhood, I think we just broke 50. 53. We're at 53? 53, yeah. The latest edition is the Yellow Warbler. Welcome, Yellow Warblers, to Leamington. They're beautiful. Uh, the other piece of news is uh, following our interview with Haley Kellett from the Making Boxing Guelph, mm-hmm. we took an intermediate improv drop-in last night. Yep. It was like... Strange doing improv on Zoom. I it was like strange at first, but then it then it became you started feeling more comfortable. It didn't go it like the opening games, the icebreakers, easy, good time, quick games, mm-hmm. and the long form stuff. I love that as a as an improv um, format. I haven't done that before, but loved it and would love to do it in human form. Mm-hmm. 
I was getting into the f- the groove right at the end of the class, mm-hmm. and then things just ended so suddenly because we time was up. I could have got another half hour, but too. it was all good. But I mean, we can just take improv intermediate drop in again any Monday of the week. Any Monday, yeah. Yep. So there's another piece of news that's not as cheery, not as chipper. Is actually a little bit scary. So we had Kyle Sousa on the show, and he was episode two. If you haven't heard him, go back and give it a listen. But the word from his house right now is that his mom has been diagnosed with COVID-19. She has gone to the hospital. I believe she now has pneumonia, so her symptoms have gotten worse. His sister's also being tested for it. Kyle lives with his mom, and um, he may need to get tested as well. So we are praying for Kyle. We are praying for the Sousa family. And we invite you to also pray if you're that kind of person. And if you're not, maybe just send some good vibes and... um, do that. It's a hard time. It's a hard time. So as much as there's the fun and silliness of a podcast, there's also the the real gravity of what's going on outside. And it's why we're having the great indoors. And it's the most we can do is to encourage you to also stay home, to keep socially distant, to um, don't take this lightly. We know the weather is changing and we want to be outside and we want to be doing the things we used to do, play Frisbee and going to the, going to the park. We miss our friends. We miss our friends. We miss going to the bar. We miss going to the restaurant. We miss these things as well. But this is a real serious thing and we all need to do our part to, uh, it's not, it's not, about, it's not even about flattening the curve anymore. I think the curve has been flattened. We just got to buckle in until we have a a good solution for everyone yeah. so everyone can be safe. It's going to happen, and we need to practice patience right now. So if that's something that you need to do to sit quietly, to to get in touch with yourself so that you can find that space within you or to connect with something beyond you that can help you with patience, you need to do that. For the rest of us, for the people you love, for people you don't even know who you might bump into, it's worth it. It's important, and we hope you can hope you can stick with it. Stick mm-hmm. with us. We're doing our best here, and we ask you to do the same. Do it for do it for Kyle. Do it for Kyle's family, but do it for everybody else who's affected by this. So, without further ado, we're gonna bring this over to Ryan and Tua. Sorry for the abrupt change of tone, but it's real life, and we welcome you to it. So take care of yourselves and take care of the people you love and take care of your neighbors. Here's Amen. a call with Ryan. <laughs> Here's a call with Ryan. Yeah. Hello, hello. Oh, Scoop. Hey, Ryan. Hi, how are you doing? Pretty good. It's good to uh, hear your voice. Yeah, man. I know. I know. It's good to hear your voice, too. I uh, I talk to Zach a lot, and he never really says words. He just says the word scoop nowadays, so that's all I really hear. Bro, you say the word scoop, too, man. We're scooping at each other. I've literally never said that word once in my life. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. We're a scoop duo, man. We're the scoop duo of Alcatraz. Scoopy scoop. Scoop. Uh, Listen. This is making new Harry Potter where it's like, Prisoners of Scoops to Traz. <laughs> Scoopiest Snape. Where they're trying to escape the same prison that keeps Kanye West's mind 
and logged out. I was thinking, actually, Tina Tina brought this up that we are probably the only people who have carried that song this far in our hearts. <laughs> it's true. I don't think anybody else references that song ever. Like if our if our friendship was like a fine couch that song is all the tiny nails that hold the fabric to the frame <laughs> man our couch would be so thick thick yeah thick couch. <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's what our friendship is to me couches 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 which one should i pick i need i need a extra deep i like my bitches extra thick that is that's what he says that's what he says Shakespeare wrote that right what's that who did Shakespeare Shakespeare. Shakespearean yeah 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 full time was it was it Auden or was it Yates I don't know poetry's all the same to me right who knows (laughs) poetry's poetry man captures 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 that's okay I mean, if Scoopty Poop is in the Kanye line, couches, 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 couches. Which one should I pick? Couches, he's like couches, the couches. most Kanye lyric I've ever heard in my life. He's probably going to release something next Friday that has that line in it. No, he's no, no. Okay, hey, we haven't talked about this. What do you think of Kanye and Jesus hanging out together so much? Um, I think it's chill. I mean, I hope they practice social distancing because uh, you know I don't want Jesus or Kanye to get COVID. You know. Also, are we rolling right now? Like, is this the podcast right now? Yeah. Oh, if yeah. Jesus dies of COVID, it's game over. So this is—we're actually recording right now. Oh yeah. We can edit later. No, we can't. <laughs> well, we say that, and then if you listen to the episodes, I always tell the people we can edit later, and then that part always. We never do. Well, it's been about five minutes of gold, and it's about to be a lot more. So, what do I think about Kanye and Jesus hanging out <laughs> together? I think they're good for each other. Um, I think they're pretty good friends. Yeah, just practice social distancing, respect each other's boundaries emotionally and physically. And uh, yeah, I think they're chill. What do you think? I like it. I mean, I have a. <clears throat> I think there's this thing. So I'm a, a, a full disclosure. I'm a Christian person. Heck, I'm even a pastor. Um, so it's kind of my like Christianity is like my job in a way, uh, which is a really weird way to say it. But we could work that out later. Um, it's funny because I'm really happy that uh, that Kanye's like working that part of his life out, and it has found. Uh, I think he's found a lot of freedom in his faith, and I think a lot of people share that experience. But I will say that when it first dropped, I think what I was observing was this kind of resounding skepticism from the self-proclaimed serious Christians who um, wanted to judge him on his past actions and words and um, on his demeanor, like, and, and meaning like they, they took everything that they saw Kanye West to be and then just judged him on it. But they only see this like narrow piece of this narrow slice of what Kanye West is as a person. And so I didn't think that was very fair. And for myself, it's just like I listened to the album. I thought it was pretty cool. I like all of his music, though. So the music's not the music's not the thing to judge him on. But I mean, the, obviously, the content of uh, Jesus is King was very different than 808s and Heartbreaks or my dark, twisted fantasy, my dark, twisted, beautiful fantasy. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know what, though? We, I mean, there's so much to unpack about this. We could probably do a whole podcast episode on the Kanye Christianity, you know, thing. But he, he said this in an interview, and it really spoke to me, which was like, I think he was interviewing the big boy. He said, it took me about 40 Sorry, that was the timer I had. So when you actually that, that timer is supposed to wake me up. So thanks a lot, Zach. Um, <laughs> but what what Kanye actually said, which really like spoke to me, was um, he said it took me forty years to get through all the things that I did and do all the things that I did to get to where I am now, to get to a place of awareness and feeling like I'm finally awake and feeling like I've connected with this sort of higher consciousness in a way that I truly wanted to. And he's talked about the fact that he's had brushes with it before in terms of, you know, growing up Christian and making Jesus walks and and obviously having a a closer connection with God, maybe than people thought, but really delving into it this time and doing it kind of on his terms. And he even said he, he sort of had to have the breakdown to have the breakthrough. And the one thing I think we watch a lot in hip hop culture, which is a young culture to begin with, is so many people make so many mistakes and so many, you know, do so many things that are in the public eye that they get judged for. Meanwhile, I mean, you and I both know a bunch of people that have done wild things, maybe terrible things, things that have hurt others who have come back from it to learn and to kind of change their ways. But it's like sometimes people have to go through the shit in order to get to the gold. And I think we've judged Kanye so much for every minuscule thing he does, you know, and... I just, I'm happy that he's at a place, I think, where he seems like he's connected to his faith and he's connected to God and he's making more conscious decisions and he just, he just seems more level and like he cares about family and his kind of values are in the right place and it takes time. Like a lot of people, you know, talk so much shit about XXX Tentacion, you know, that rapper that passed away who was like, I think 20 something and, you know, did some terrible things, but the one thing I always talked about was, yeah, I mean, he passed away, but at the same time, imagine if he didn't, and imagine if he totally turned his life around because of one thing, or because he had some sort of shift or change, and ended up doing really good work. It wouldn't, you know, completely clear him of all the terrible things he's done, and of course, you have to acknowledge that, but I don't think there's any point holding shame over anyone's head. It's like, we need to acknowledge and move forward in whatever ways that we can you know, that's that's at least what I think. The the one I'm down I'm down with all that, but the one thing I would pr- uh, press pause on is when you said Kanye's doing it on his own terms, like he's coming coming to faith on his own terms. I think that's that's right in the sense that he did it. It's not a gimmick. Like I don't think it's a gimmick, and um, I don't think it's a it's a piece of his image he's trying to use for like commercial leverage right like right. I, I think he's genuine <clears throat> but i don't think it's on his own terms in the sense that for a person to go through a change like that where for him the way that he that i heard him talking about the way he was with women or how like just like sex in general or i don't know if so much he was talking a lot about um how he's changed in terms of drug use or things like that, where pieces of his life where he came to the realization that those pieces needed to needed to die for what he really wanted to live to be able to live. And um, that's a huge part of 
Christianity. And I mean, the word we would use for it is repentance, where you're going one direction and then you turn and you go the other direction away from those actions that were, uh, you might use the word sinful, but you might also use the word separate you from God or uh, destroy relationships with other people. So I, and I think that 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 is of necessity has to be, you might say on God's terms and not on my terms, because if it was on my terms, I would have everything I want and still do the, still have the destructive behavior. But the thing is, you just can't have that. So that's, that's my, that's my pastoral mind coming in when I hear on his own terms, but life is long. And I'm, I'm not saying mm. we shouldn't hold people accountable for things that have been done and people that have been hurt. Of course we should, right? I mean, but at the same time, it's like, I, I have a problem with the kind of PC culture that we live in where it's like, you know, you could be a delightful human being and for whatever reason, you could do something wrong and then people automatically are like, nope, you're canceled. You're a terrible canceled, human being. Canceled, like, exactly. Mm. Yeah. No, you know, that's, that's really important. A really, Account- a really hard way of going about things, you know? Accountability is not condemnation. Exactly. That's a much more concise way of saying it. See, that's why I love you. You're just, for so many other reasons, but you're just great with words. And you have the word pastor gang tattooed on your lower back. Yeah. Like very low back, so low. It's actually the very bottom of the back. Like it's it's on the bottom of each butt cheek. Pastor, space, gang. Picture the lowest part of your tailbone, but go farther. Uh And... That's where it is. And Tina can confirm that this is like a real thing. It's oh, yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor Gang. <laughs> I say I have, I call it my smelly button. No. I got a belly button and a smelly button. And no. You choose your adventure. I didn't know you were going to talk dirty in this podcast. That's so cool. Yeah, this episode's getting an E for sure. <laughs> yeah, we're going to put an E on this. We haven't even. What's that? I swear in this podcast, or is that not a good thing? You already sweared. You can swear again. We'll just put right. an E on it. It's cool. It's See, cool. This Fine. is the best part of you asking me to do a podcast and me being like, what's it about? And you're like, I don't know, stuff. And then you just call me. Like, that's that's the best part. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what it's about, and I'll tell you why I even asked you to be on it, if you, if you care to ask, sir. <laughs> okay. But I've been talking a lot, so I'm going to let Tina riff on it for a minute. Tina's going to give you the rundown. Sure. Yeah, so we talked about making a podcast before in the before time and then when this happened we said well we already have a microphone we have technology and we said let's call some people and just ask them like what their experience has been during the pandemic maybe how they're like get to know things about them like maybe what their work is how their work has changed um and then maybe if they have like (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Zach's pouring a drink right now. Um, yeah, and just talk about, like, you know, I mean, we think you're a cool dude. And so let's just, like, riff back and forth, have a conversation, well, I have throw it up on angle. the Internet. I have another angle. The other angle is this, that when when the pandemic hit, you were one of the first, I, mean, I don't know if one of the first people, one of the first people I saw, and certainly one of the people closest to me who jumped into I don't want to say like activist mode but you you made it about taking care of each other through internet platforms and you made it about uh, I saw a lot of offers from you on Instagram that hey if you're dealing with anxiety or stress or you're worried you can call me we can talk I'm mm-hmm. available and I saw and really appreciated that that um, 
that you were willing to put yourself out there like that in a time when probably a lot of people are trying to, and you're probably doing it too. We're trying to protect ourselves and we're trying to like insulate ourselves against the dangers of the world. But you, uh, you put it out there that you want to help people carry their burdens. And I thought that was a really cool angle. So I wanted to just hear about that a little bit more. Like what was the, what was behind that? What, uh, I mean, I know, I know who you are. And so I have my assumptions of what's behind it, but I think that other people need to hear voices like yours sharing stories like yours. Um, so maybe the world would be better and we can all have a little more scoop in our lives. Sorry, uh, Zach and Tina, you guys were on mute for like the past five minutes. Can yeah. you repeat everything you just, no, I'm just kidding. You're lying. So. You're just crying right now. You're just crying and you need time to compose yourself. Or I'm like or ugly Kim K tier, like shoulders shaking uncontrollably, <laughs> crying right now. Um, but yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's all. That's I'm, I'm blown away. And like, I think the thing that really gets me Gross. about us and our relationship is the fact that we've technically known each other for such a long time. Maybe the better part of twenty years. Yo, for real, <laughs> definitely. And, you know, I've watched you in your childhood. You watched me in my childhood. We played Xbox together at my parents' place. And to go from that to a place of reconnecting when we were adults um, by way of just running into each other at like a thrift shop or sorry, a thrift market, I think, was just so beautiful. And the fact that, you know, I watched you grow and kind of evolve and marry this lovely woman who is so wonderful and obviously you being a wonderful person. Watching you and Tina brings me a lot of joy. And yeah. I'm not even just saying that because I'm, recording right now but i i genuinely think it and I've, I've told you that so much like tina i think you're such a lovely person and obviously you are too zach so it's it's just so cool that we get to connect like this all these years later and the one thing i appreciate about you you know aside from letter writing is like you'll call me and we'll talk for like hours i know it's, it's so easy effortless like it, it doesn't seem like it's a chore or a task or we're, we're at grips for conversation. Yeah, just watching how far you've delved into theology and music and all these different facets of life. It was just so cool not seeing you for all those years and then all of a sudden coming across this. You know, it was, it's so cool. I'm sending you an old picture of us right now. I found this old picture of us that I think, I think just like is our friendship in a, in a photo. (laughs) I cannot wait. You wait Um, till it comes in. (laughs) I'm like half terrified to look at this. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. on. He came across this photo yesterday, and he thinks it's just the best. I, I came thing across ever. it honestly. I didn't, I didn't go, I didn't Google that. I just, I found it honestly and thought it was the funniest picture. It was a bit I've of a rabbit seen. trail from a news piece, but, anyways. It's, Dickhead, I thought that would be a legitimate photo of us. I'm it is. Kidding. I think that is us, right? Okay, uh, for the context of people that can't see the photo, oh no. the photo you just sent me <laughs> of that woman breastfeeding two white babies is not a photo of us, okay? Okay, keep describing it. Describe the photo more. What else is in the picture? Oh, my God. I haven't even looked at it for that long. So no, I'm no, no. Sad about it. Open it. Open it and, like, look at it because that's, that's what's so funny about it. Come on. I don't want to be – I'm looking at this for way too long already. It's is, just two kids. What, what am I missing here? Just, just, just tell us about what they look like. They're what, not. They're the not kids. Yeah. 
the kids and the breastesses, because, like, all this is, okay, so the woman has a smug look on her face, like, she doesn't care what's going on, you know? She's not even phased by the fact that two kids are just, mwah, 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 going to town. Um, okay. Her faces are pixelated out, but her breasts are a weird part. The best part is that their faces are pixelated out. I don't know why they're like, what are you hiding their identities? Are these small adults? Why, why are they? Hi- why? <laughs> I don't want to know who's sucking these titties. Uh, that's, that's for sure. But yeah, it's just like, oh, I love it. The smug look on her face, like, yeah, I'm doing this. And someone's taking a photo of me. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, yeah. I mean, all this is just kind of strange. And I hope those are her kids, not just a random, you know, like, and she looks like she could use a tan, and I don't know. A lot of it's just weird. I thought it would be a legitimate photo of both of us. That would be like a heartwarming, like you know, beautiful thing. And it's a metaphor, man. It's a metaphor for our friendship. Titties and pixelated kids are a metaphor for our friendship. No, it's not titties. It's a metaphor. Titties are a metaphor. But anyways, look, I'm getting off track. <laughs> <laughs> so with the whole pandemic <laughs> thing, like the idea of. I can hear you laughing, and I still can't get this image out of my head, so I'm going to try my best to just bulldoze past this. I'm not actually mad. I think it's actually hilarious. Um, what I think is even funnier is how funny you find it. Oh, my I gosh. Just, Bro, I think it's the, I think it's the best picture on the internet. I'm going to send you some photos after, and I think you'll change your opinion. Don't, don't, send, don't send me that one COVID meme one. I've seen it. It scares me. I don't want it. Which one is that? You know what I'm talking about. The dude on the edge of the bed. I don't know what you're talking about. I I haven't seen that You haven't seen the one with the guy on the edge of the bed whose penis is as big as my arm? Oh, no. Oh, do I have a photo to send you? So someone photoshopped my head (laughs) on his body. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. That is so funny. Someone photoshopped my head on his body. For a birthday card oh for gosh. me. Oh, that's <laughs> glorious. Yeah, send me a picture oh, it's, of that. It's, it's incoming right now. And then they also put on the Powerpuff Girls and some hentai and uh, Joe Biden, of all people. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Shrek with some titties. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I've, I've seen the Trump carrot one. I've seen the Trump carrot so, one. Here's, here's the crazy thing. It doesn't even look like it's photoshopped. It looks like it could be <laughs> on that dude's body, Ooh. except they'd have to make the dick part bigger if it was me, right? So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a wild photo. Um, but you can look wow. at it after. Are you wow. watching it right now? Those are some oh, We're looking at it right skills, now, yeah. man. Yeah, someone's good at Photoshop. Wow. Yep. Yep. It's a, it's a work of art. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how I see myself uh, most of the time, just... A bent over stance where I'm contemplating life. Yeah. 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 But anyways, um, <laughs> pandemic related, the idea of like jumping to action and trying to help people and being aware and financially supporting people, physically supporting people. I don't know. Like just the way that I operate, I would do that sort of thing normally. And it's a blessing and a privilege to be able to do that because it means I'm in a place where I can do that. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before. Like, Money situation's good. I've really worked hard in my career and my business. You know, things are good for me. I Like, when it comes to trauma in my life or things that need work, it's like I run headfirst towards those things. And because I've done that, I'm in a pretty good place in my life right 
now. And I'm super lucky and I'm super grateful. But I think what it means from my perspective is I have a bigger responsibility. So you talked about being able to take on the burden of others or at least help. I have the shoulders for it because right. I'm built a up my way. So I don't look at it as a chore. I don't look at it as like, you know, oh, look at me doing good things. No, I... I would be doing this regardless. And you know, because you've known me for a while, like even pre-COVID, I put out these sort of APBs where I'm like, if you need to talk to me or you need to talk to anybody, like give me a call or like, you know, say what's up. And I, I check in on people all the time. True. And it's not a score or it's not to get points for my books or anything. It's literally just, I have a lot. So I want to do a lot more for other people. I feel like it's a responsibility yeah. What do you think? Like when, I mean, when this obviously all hit, like, did you guys spring to action? Did you take time to kind of digest it? Like what was the thought process for you guys? Well, I first want to say you're a beautiful person. That's just how you described caring for others. On the and inside, only on the inside. <laughs> I'm so fucking gorgeous, you know. (laughs) You 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 do have a special spark about you, man. Like it's like I think I'm pretty solidly rated exterior wise. Like my beard is cool. You know, I have these like beautiful chocolate eyes. Like I'm I'm just just fucking shred. I'm just so muscular. It just disgusts me sometimes. And And I get up and I look at myself and I'm like, you hunk of a man. I know. I know. Other than that, everything else checks out. Hunky, nice beard, beautiful eyes. One time one time I was at a Prince concert and he was like, <laughs> that boy Ryan has nice eyes. Uh, I love that I get compared in the same conversation as Prince. That's amazing. With but the um, eyes. It's the eyes. Okay, so to get back on track. Yeah, oh, Tina, uh, Tina was complimenting you and I cut her off by making fun of you, so... Uh, yeah, you're an inspiration. Like yeah. you're, you are part of that group of people. You're someone who is like plowing through this with like that compassion and care and attention for others. And it's, I mean, I I would say like we are also to answer your question in a similar place where we felt like we we took this pandemic with, you know, like okay, this is our new reality. How is that gonna look going forward how can we be checking in with others and um I mean we wrote a letter to our neighbors and um delivered that and kind of you know said if if you need anything we're here please call us please it's like 25 neighbors yeah for like 25 different houses immediate to us you know if you need anything please reach out um whatever that is and then we also got a huge piece of plywood and and painted um, a big sign that we've attached to some fence posts that were up on our lawn, just kind of vagrant fence posts, um, just to be like a sign of, I know lots of different people are putting things on their windows and doors and, um, or around their houses, but we just said like, we have this space and like, let's paint something big. And, and so it says hold on hope, um, and kind of like a neat, um, artistic way. Um, you know, as just like a, encouragement piece for people as well. So, I mean, for us, it's looked different in how we are connecting with people in our community and our friends and that sort of thing. But it's awesome that, and it's true, like you have cared about people and just been genuine and saying, if you need anything, 
if you need to talk, reach out to me. And you're, you make yourself very accessible and you're an inspiration. Like you're just so open and honest and we need more ready Ryan. to talk. We need more Ryans. <laughs> we, we need more Brian Andalusas. Oh my God, dude. Okay. So I was in, I, I'll tell you, like, first of all, you're both wonderful, beautiful people. And I think anyone who spent the better part of five minutes around you knows that that sort of giving nature is just part of the fabric of who you both are, which is, you know, Zach, when I saw you years later, why I was so happy that, you know, you were with someone like Tina and Tina being with someone like you, Zach, vice versa. It's just part of the fabric that makes both of you, I think, is just being giving and being loving. And, you know, obviously it's expressed in a myriad of different ways, but I think anyone that spends around five minutes or even less with you can pick that up. And I can't tell you how delighted I was when you were living in Guelph that I was able to come by the house a couple of times to see you and open arms. Like it just, you know, the feeling that I get around you too is just such warmth. And I really appreciate that. And you two are beautiful humans. And it doesn't surprise me at all that you have done these wonderful things, especially for your neighbors. And I feel like you consider all of your friends and all of your family neighborly and like they are in your close circle. And that's super appreciated. Um, well, thanks. What was <laughs> You're welcome. See, that's how a normal conversation goes instead of like the scoop and poop references. And, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, all that. Well, let's, but, um, let's scoop on then. We were talking about Brian Andalusa. <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay. So I'm in a park, and I had your letter, and uh, I didn't look at it, but I got it in the mail, and I was like, oh, this is beautiful. And then I went to look at the name a little bit deeper, and I was like, Brian Andalusa? And the first thought that went through my mind was like, that sounds way cooler than my actual name. I should legally change my name to Brian Andalusa. Yeah. However, I thought about it, and I was like, man, why don't I make Brian Andalusa like an uh, alter ego of mine? Whoa. You know, Whoa. like, he's like a tech Australian guy who's like, hello, mate, how you going? I'm Brian and Lisa. Brian and uh, Lisa, hello. Hello, uh, I like eating Vegemite toast. And, uh, right, so this podcast going to be Australian. Hugh Jackman, great guy, good bloke. Good great, bloke. great. Another good guy, great bloke. And, uh, yeah, Brian and Lisa is just like another great bloke in that category. Right. Loves to do drawings of kittens and surf, and his mom's from Sydney, dad's from Melbourne, you know, just like a good guy like a great bloke that's what I think Brian Andalusa would be Pete Shannon 42 Wallaby Way Sydney perfect he would have loose jeans and even looser morals (laughs) yeah uh huh you pass as an Australian you could pull it off (laughs) I believe it yeah I uh, being in quarantine means I can work on impressions which is fun but uh have you been to Australia no I would love to have you I would love to go to Australia. I've never when been. This, uh, when this whole thing is done, let's go to Australia and work on our accents. I think by the time this is over, Australia will be underwater. I <laughs> not. <laughs> That's that brimming sense of optimism that I have <laughs> Zach's army now. That's the spirit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they've been through enough, man, honestly. But the one thing I was going to ask you guys, and I would love your stance on this, there's been there's been a bit of a divide with the whole pandemic, and and this is you know a kind of privileged conversation to have. But there's been some people who talk about making this the most productive time ever. You know, you know, using all the time to learn all these new skills and do all these new things and become the human that you've always wanted to become. And then there's other people who kind of acknowledge the gravity of the situation and say, you know, be gentle with yourself. Like you 
can work hard, but you're not obligated to because it's still a pandemic and obviously people's mental health can be in shambles and we've got frontline workers who are absolutely bent and we're obviously yeah. so grateful for like where like where do your thoughts fall when it comes to that kind of uh, that kind of discussion? I've been in both camps. I think I started like the first couple weeks uh, in that like, oh my gosh, I have so much free time. And I mean, I was still working for the, those first couple, like week and a half or whatever. And I was like, wow, I can like bake and whatever and read. And I think I read like five books in a week and a half too. Like it was crazy. And then I moved into like, I was laid off for three weeks and everything just kind of slowed down. And I went, this isn't sustainable for me to keep running on this. Like every single minute should be productive and it's exhausting and you know, other, other things started influencing how I was feeling and my outlook and all these other things. And now I have days where I go back and forth where I'm like, you know, I'm trying to use more of my like self-care tools, checking in, how do I feel? What do I feel like doing? And I just, I'm starting to have more off days to put it that way, where my mood is fluctuating, you know, maybe by the hour where I feel kind of like, oh, this is heavy and this sucks. And then I feel the next little bit, okay, well, I can handle this. I have the, like, tools and skills, and I can reach out to, like, close people and connect and get that, you know, stuff to get me through. But, I, yeah, I, that's just been me personally where I've been on, <coughs> you know, both sides of that. Like, and now I'm more on the side of this is going to last a longer time than I thought. And so you know, just kind of going on a day by day, hour by hour, what do I need? Like what needs to be done? Um, that sort of thing. Amazing. What about you, Zach? What are your, uh, what are your thoughts on it? I would say the way you framed it before of, you know, being the best human you can be and getting all, like just grinding and getting everything done and the self care part, I would say those aren't mutually, mutually exclusive. Like I think that the, the hard part, the thing that I think we, we wrestle with maybe is millennials, maybe it's as culture, I don't know what it is, but the idea that like productivity and accomplishments equals best you you can be, mm-hmm. right? Where there's like, you know, one thing I've been doing a lot of is birding. I've been going birding. This is like looking for birds in the woods. And there is next to no economic incentive to do that. Like, you know, I could, I could sit at home and just do like, I don't know, work on stuff that I don't know what I'm going to do, sell online or something. Like, I think that our economy though, we, we don't, we can't trust our economy so much anymore because we're learning that without it, we're still people and we have other deeper needs and deeper values than economic whatever, whether it's stability or success or advancement or, you know, more money in the bank. And again, that's a privileged thing to say because I do have a job right now. I am still working. Tina's still working. Mm-hmm. But folks who are on CERB or uh, EI or something, like, they don't have that. They might not be able to take that perspective so easily to say, I'm okay. How do I just be okay? Yeah. So... You know, I, I got into it as well, though, off the hop. Like, I, I started jogging. I started, um, you know, looking for these productivity p- 
pieces. Um, I dragged a tire out of a river and made a made a workout, made some workout gear with it, which is still pretty cool. I still use it. I like working out, but I've been walking a lot, so I'm not really lifting weights right now. And that's okay, and i got to be okay with that, and I have to say, like, okay, there's limitations, and I can't, like, blow through every barrier just because I feel like I have to. Like, I can just let that be a barrier and just accept what's real right now. And I saw, like, a David Goggins video. You know who that guy is? Oh, we've talked about him before. We did talk about him. Yeah, I remember that, actually, Um, right as I said that. He put out a a video of him running in the desert or something. Like, <laughs> shortly after this started, and he said something like, you know, what do you think? You're going to wait till this gets back to normal? This might never be normal. you got to be a fucking savage right now. Stay hard. And then he keeps running. And so he's, he's talking about, like, <laughs> he's saying, I like, David Goggins impression. It's, it's, <laughs> I work on it. I work on my impressions. But, uh, yeah, the whole premise is, like, you think you can stop training because this is going to be going on for two weeks? Well, this might be the new norm. This might be it. Hmm. So, and like, who, who do you, who do you think is going to defend you when the shit really hits the fan and you've got to fight for your life? You got to do that. So you got to stay in shape and you got to be the savage and you got to be the hardest guy out there. And I just don't believe that. I mean, if it ever comes to someday, somebody shows up at my house and wants to kill me, and I am not in the best cardiovascular condition. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Dave, David Goggins is like a highly trained United States soldier, like went through Navy training, Marine training, SEAL training, SEAL training like has seen combat, is, is a machine of a man. And... Like I don't know, man. It's easy to compare. It's easy to compare myself to him, but I don't come out feeling worth anything. I come out feeling like I'll never be that. I'll never be as accomplished as him. I'll never succeed. And so then it turns into I'll be the best me I can be. But that doesn't mean by running as best as I can. Because for Goggins, maybe that's what he's made to do is is be an inspiration in that way. But how do, can you transfer that to another thing I've been doing is watercolor painting. And oh, t- beautiful. Yeah, so I'll just like walk around the neighborhood and or around town basically. And if I see certain kinds of houses and the way they're situated in yards, I just like it. Certain sort of um, horizons, I like looking at it and they kind of, I, I can see them in painting, and so I'll take a picture on my phone, bring it home, and I'll sit for, you know, we'll put a movie on, Tino will watch a movie, and I'll watch the movie kind of and just paint. And it's like, it's I'm not, the only gain is the pleasure of looking at something that I've made and feeling good about it and feeling like I've, I've accomplished something. I made, I made a physical thing that I envisioned in my head and have now put on paper, and it's now a real thing in front of me. But... You know, and what do I want to do with that? Like, yeah, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I had 50 individual pieces from Leamington and did a little art show at some point, whatever, even if it was in my garage and I just invited my neighbors over to come look at the paintings I did on Pandemic and it was a a connecting point. Like, I'm I'm not trying to be Van Gogh. I'm not trying to be... I mean, Van Gogh wasn't recognized till after he died, so maybe I'll be Van Gogh. (laughs) But, um... 
I'm not trying to go pro is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm doing it because when I sit and paint, it gives me a sense of calm. It gives me time just to breathe and focus on something that's right in front of me. And it's not about the stresses of the world. It's not about how are we going to get out of this pandemic. It's not about how are we going to reopen the province. Because that's the kind of stuff that just pops into my mind throughout the day. And I don't have to do that when I'm painting. And that doesn't mean I'm putting my head in the sand like an ostrich. But it means I'm accepting the limitations that are on me as, as the person that I am. If I was the premier of Ontario, watercolor painting, I think we'd have a problem. But like what I hope he has something that he can do to chill out and, and find some calm. Mm. But then what I like my role, and this has been kind of hard to um, come to terms with because I am still this, this pandemic has been helpful in breaking out of that. Like mm, maybe the, the most um, mm. po- like polemical term I could think of would be like the cult of productivity where for, for me, it's sort of like, I don't, the pandemic has sort of pulled me out of that in a way. Um, but I'm having to learn like, okay, my role as pastor to a community means like I'm, I'm responsible to this community to provide care and to be checking in and to making, to be making phone calls and to be asking about problems that are there and just making myself available, whether I'm the guy that solves them or helps or is frontline like that's up to that up to the person but i need to be available for them and i can't be available if i'm if i'm stressed out and if i'm worried and if i'm trying to solve the problems of the world i need to have that time so that i can approach that in a healthy way and even if i'm not like i know that i've lost my conditioning in terms of i was killing it at the gym before all this happened gym closed and now i'm struggling with that part of my life but you know, I have, to, I'm saying to myself, like I probably walked six kilometers today looking at birds and it's like a, a casual stroll, but I just got to say, that's cool. That's enough. That's enough. And it doesn't depend on me to be everything all the time. And that's, so that's what I think about your question that you asked 10 minutes ago, <laughs> <laughs> but there, there is that line between being the best you and being the most possible productive thing you can be, which I don't think those are the same thing. Um, Cause I know, I know for a fact there are people who are successful at hustling and having like three things on the go all the time or 10 things on the go all the time. I know people succeed at that, but then also fail at Mm, like self care is one way to put it, but like relationships is another way is another piece or, um, whatever, like all kinds of things. Anyway. What about you? How, how do, would you answer that question? Oh, I've got a very layered and complex, um, answer, which is very podcast savvy. Uh, jump on the train, man. Oh, I'm, I'm about to dive in. Uh, before I say anything, I just want to say openly on this that I love and adore both of you so much. Not even because of what you just said and how well it was, but, but because you're just both good, lovely human beings. Um, I appreciate you still having you in my life. Um, Productivity-wise, like I'll go in a bit of a tangent here, but I'll circle back at the end, which I think is okay, because, Zach, you just spent like 15 minutes <laughs> answering the question, which is fine. Um, you asked, man. You asked the question. You know who you're talking to. I'm, I'm joking with you. I know you're the, the scoop pastor of the, of the century, so I, I definitely I understand. Um, what I'll say is this. like I went to therapy for the first time 
two years ago because growing up, I thought that my value as a human being was predicated on what I did and accomplished in my life. Now, that's for a number of reasons. Part of it was trauma that I went through when I was young, but also a big part of it, too, which is traumatic in and of itself, is the high levels of racism I experienced um, as a kid. <clears throat> if you're familiar with Pavlovian conditioning, you know, I'll break it down for some of the listeners, but it's the idea of if you put a dog in a cage and you have a food bowl and you ring a bell and then food comes down, the dog will go over and eat the food and kind of walk away. And if you ring the bell, even if no food comes down, the dog automatically associates uh, the bell being rung with food, you know, being provided. Yeah. And then if you put another dog in that space, same thing. Like if you ring a bell, one dog will run over and then maybe the other one will. It's just basic conditioning, right? And yeah. as a kid, because of all the messaging and because of my peers and what I was going through, it's like I was just being assaulted all the time with the idea of like, you need to outperform your peers and you need to be better and stronger and faster and more intelligent because being a colored person in this world right now, you don't have a choice but to not be those things. The world is going to be vicious to you as far as jobs go, as far as education goes, as far as like dating goes. You will not be looked at as the same. You will be looked at of lesser value all the time. So you have to fight way harder than your peers. You have to. And that's the messaging that was passed down to me for... God knows how long. Like, I remember being, like, six and my parents being like, yo, read this Malcolm X. Like, read this Martin Luther King. You know, look at these speeches. Look at this material. And I was like, well, I'm six. I want to just play with Transformers or whatever. But they're like, it's a harsh world. You have to you have to know these things. Mm -hmm. So kind of fast-forwarding a little bit, it's like that made sense then. Obviously, racism still exists. But what I would say is, of course, the landscape is a lot different. People are more aware. Um... But the thing that happened to me was I was conditioned so young that it kept up when I was older. So it's like, man, I, like at a young age, I was just putting numbers on the board in terms of like being valedictorian or like acing school, being in peak physical condition, like all these things that my peers were like, oh, my God, like that, that's amazing. Meanwhile, I felt so ridiculously empty on the inside and so lonely even when I was in crowds of massive people even when I was dating like it didn't matter I felt so alone and so unfulfilled and I couldn't put my finger on why until I actually you know had a number of experiences happen and then went to therapy and the whole idea there was like your value as a person is not predicated on what you do and what you accomplish and you know these accolades that you get and I think a lot of western culture kind of provides that lens over people where it's like oh you know Jordan is the best and Kobe's the best if you're not them then you're not great sort of thing and that's that couldn't be farther from the truth and from what you said before I think too many people compare themselves to that upper echelon of craft and you're right like if you want to just play basketball because it's your way of staying sane or maybe it's your way of connecting with your kid as a single father or like maybe it's just how you decompress after long days that's good enough. And I think this whole productivity thing should be contextual to whatever your goals are, whatever you want, which doesn't have to be a massive thing. I mean, if you want to play basketball on Saturdays just to unwind or connect with your friends, who cares how many buckets you score? It's, it's just a way of connecting. It's, mm -hmm. it's like the conduit or the vehicle for the overarching theme, which is just being with your friends and being connected and maybe letting your mind go a bit. There might be another person who wants to become an NBA all-star. Fine. But... Both are valid, and neither dictates your value as a person. 
right? So therapy taught me that. And that's kind of the lesson that I fall back on when it comes to the pandemic, which is like, I've seen a lot of people who have automatically shifted to, oh, well, I guess I should do a lot. Otherwise, I'm a failure or otherwise I'm lazy or otherwise I'm this. And I think it couldn't be farther from the truth. You know, I think depending on what your goals are, you need to hold yourself accountable, but also hold yourself gently, right? I mean, yeah, I think goals is a really important thing. Like you have to have. I think I think goals are important, but I don't think they're everything. Um, no, and you yeah. know, I wanted to speak to Tina's point too. Like, I think when this pandemic thing happened, people's natural gear was to shift towards a more productive nature because it was almost a coping mechanism with the things that were happening around you, right? Like, it's it's a lot tougher to just sit and feel everything that's going on instead of being like, you know what, I'm going to clean my house, or like, I'm going to go birding, or I'm going to go do this, and. All of it's valid, but I think what people are recognizing with this is that life is long and we're looking at a consistency thing versus an intensity thing. You can go to the gym for three hours on a Monday, but chances are you're not going to work out for the rest of the week because you're so sore and so bent out of shape from what you did. You could instead work maybe work out maybe like a half hour each day, you know? And maybe the intensity isn't as much, but by the end of the week, you're going to work out more than that person that did the three hours, right? Yeah. And that's going to add up over time. And it's like, I think people are starting to learn patience and, and realize that the productivity thing doesn't predicate your value as a person. Even if you took away your degree or your job or whatever it might be, you're still a person who has a lot of value to you. You know who taught me that? Mr. Rogers. And also therapy. But the point here is like in this pandemic, we've watched so many people who have lost their jobs or lost this or that. And guess what? They're still alive. Some of them are still lucky enough to have their families, lucky enough to have roofs over their head, food, water, shelter. And they realize that they're okay, like that they're not their job. Mm-hmm. You know, their, their identity isn't just tied in the one thing. And I'm I'm so happy that I came out of that place and I know so many people that are still in it that I, you know, try and be a sound sounding board for, uh, whenever I can, you know? Mm. Did you listen to finding Fred? Uh, do I listen to finding Fred? Is that like a podcast on Fred, uh, Mr. Rogers? Yeah. Exactly. No, but I've watched the documentary, like the Netflix thing that came out about him. And I thought it was beautiful. Uh, I don't have Netflix, but there is doc, uh, a podcast called Finding Fred that you probably like. Oh, check it out. It's if you guys get a chance, check out that documentary. It's lovely. Hmm. Can you send us your Netflix password? Yeah, 100%. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. <clears throat> um, yeah. No yeah, man, I think, that. that's, I think it's true with the like your work as your identity – um, that's like what is that like the religion of capitalism like what like what is that how do we how do we get to our core identity as intertwined or enmeshed with our our work and our uh status in society how do we get there I mean, is that I, capitalism yeah that's that's a vehicle for it for sure i mean i think and I can only speak to the Western context, like it's predicated on a lot of the messaging that we get from when we're young. It's like we're put at a young age, five, you know, into an educational system where you're giving grades and scoring based on performance. Mm. That script is introduced at a very young age. And if you're not performing well in school, well, then you must be dumb, right? And even that messaging is so ridiculous, but that's how we're programming things from a very systematic level. And it's also... You know, ingrained in other ways, and it's a bigger discussion for another time. But 
cars, money, etc. The more money you have, the more successful you are, or you know whatever it is. That that messaging is pretty ingrained for the most part um, at a young age for a lot of people, and it, I would say arguably like we're taking more time unlearning that than we are learning it. You know, it's 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 hard to learn that at a young young age and have to unlearn that, and some people never do, and we see people get trapped in materialism all the time. But aside from that, like I think the one way we can avoid that or maybe steer away from it a little bit is through education at a young age, if possible. Um, yeah. What, what do you think? And Tina, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too. You're blowing my mind, Ryan. I- you're just saying, you're just saying things so eloquently and I'm like, yeah, like, totally. And it, I mean, <laughs> I wish that I had like a really good, way to keep the conversation going well i think i think in a lot of ways public education is training for capitalism right because Uh, why why get educated so you can get a job not not so that you can not so that you can understand yourself and your place in the world but so that you can get a job and so that you can be a part of the economy so that you can be a productive citizen Mm -hmm. that's why you get educated that's why you get a degree because if you don't have a degree you can't get a job and if you, oh, or have you, uh, or you, you get a job that's not a wor- not a worthy job because you don't have because it's not doesn't require education to get it. So you get to be a cleaning lady, and guess what? We don't like cleaning ladies because they're only cleaning ladies. They're not professors. They're not teachers. They're not whatever. Sorry. Right. Have you ever um you ever heard of uh, Sir Ken Robinson? Uh, nope. No. So he did a brilliant TED talk about ten years ago when YouTube was like first getting legs. Uh, on education, I remember it clear as day. He said, "Education, the educational system in the Western world was created during the Industrial Revolution." Ah, uh, the warehousing. I have seen that TED talk. Right. So, for you know, studio audience who's listening right now, <laughs> you know, the idea is that the educational system that we now know and the framework in the Western world was developed and predicated on the Industrial Revolution and filling jobs because when that period was coming about we needed people in factories we needed people building things we needed people to you know uh, be behind this burgeoning economy that we had uh, that was coming after the great depression right like that was the idea so math science skills etc and even the grading it's like that was for that purpose now obviously we've evolved past the industrial revolution and we're in a completely different age why is the educational framework the exact same way? You know, we look at other countries like Sweden, Denmark, you know, Norway, et cetera. It's so different. Mm-hmm. Germany, you name it. The educational system is so different in other parts of the world. We really haven't caught up yet. And the one thing that Ken talks about is the fact that school is school. Like, it's not necessary. Education is important. So that cleaning lady might be a fucking brilliant human being, mm-hmm. but we don't give her the time of day because she's quote unquote just a cleaning lady. And that is so silly. And you know, a big part of the reason among many that I admire the both of you is that I've observed you and I've watched you and it doesn't matter if someone's a CEO or it doesn't matter if someone has no job, you treat people with equal amounts of kindness and respect. And that's such a beautiful thing. And when you say it out loud, it sounds like it should be so fundamental and we should all think that way. Hmm not how it goes and then that also goes back to education ironically because people haven't been taught or opened up to the fact that your identity isn't predicated on your job or how much money you have or the house you live in or whatever it might be um well what what does kanye say is the cousin of racism 
Ben, don't put me in a spot like this. I don't know. <laughs> what is Classism. Classism. Uh, yeah. Remember yeah. when he was when he couldn't get into fashion? He's talking about racism, but racism's got this cousin called classism. And cl- classism, like you talk about this cleaning lady, and it's like these positions that positions in the working world where you know I make I think I make I don't know how much money cleaning that he makes but I make enough money to hang out in places after work where maybe people who don't have a great income won't go or can't go so you know the craft brewery that has artisanal chicken wings and locally sourced hops in their beer like these are the kind of places you might find me hanging out in the before time but the people who are there are usually in or above like my salary bracket, if you will. You know, and and there's something about like even it's it's like it's not about even treating that cleaning lady with dignity. I'm just I'm, I'm we're riding this cleaning lady pretty hard, but it's not about a cleaning lady. It's about anybody else in the world. But do you have opportunities to even have contact with that cleaning lady? Or are you only, am I only going to places that I am affirmed in my economic status and affirmed in, and usually those affirmations are like pursuing something closer and closer and closer to luxury or closer and closer and closer to something that I feel like is, has a status attached to it. Um, I don't know, like. There's something there about the like the 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 divide between like white collar and blue collar people, if you will. You know what you you put that so well. Uh, that was so eloquently put. And I don't think I did, but I mean, look, I think you did. Thanks, man. You're welcome. You're welcome, Zachary. Um, <laughs> what I would say is that some people aren't even aware that they're in that bubble. Like the idea of privilege sometimes is like an inherent. Thing. And I'm going to use the archetype of someone who, you know, rides a BMW and like has a white collar job and makes maybe a hundred thousand dollars a year. It's like if they got out of college and they got a job as a lawyer or whatever it might've been and climbed those ranks quickly, maybe they're a straight cisgendered white male. They might not even understand that there's other people who exist in other categories and spectrums of economic disparity. If they've never had to be in those places, you know what I mean? Like right. if it's, if someone's never been to uh, an impoverished home, if someone's never had friends who are of different colors or races or religions, like I'm not saying that they're a bad person. I'm saying that they they're just more unaware. Like they don't they don't know what they don't know, right? And mm-hmm. I would say, arguably, the internet should have broken the doors down for everyone. But then again, like we're not all hanging out in the same places. We're not all doing the same things. I mean, I don't fault people for the levels of privilege that they have, but I do think we have almost a civic duty as people to understand our fellow uh, person, you know, beside us, whoever that might be, wherever they might be, but that's going to require going to different places to meet different people who are in different circumstances. Right. And Mm -hmm. that requires travel and that requires reading different materials. That requires a lot of work that people might not want to do because the bubble is a really comfortable place to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we, we get this in, all kinds of places where if you ask around and go like, where's the bar that nobody goes to, you'll get an answer. And, and in Guelph, I don't know, I can think of a few places. I won't name them. Just I don't want to, not going to name them, but 
there are places where people would feel like that's that's not the place to go. Don't go there. That's not a good spot. But why is that? Like, well, is it is it who what's the type of people that hang out there? Is it like people from Linamar or is it the hipsters? Like, you want to go to the hipster bar. You want to go to the nice bar that's got the the nice cocktails or the nice food menu or whatever. But to just go and have a beer, a Coors Light or whatever at some at a sports bar somewhere that's kind of out of the downtown core and with folks who are like just working guys off their shift. Like, but that, even that it's like, so you go into those places, but getting to know one another is such a hard thing and getting to like breaking down those walls, because I think there is sort of a, I don't know, like, you know, have you ever heard anybody talk about the East coast, like the East coast of Canada? Yeah, of course. I've been there multiple times. I absolutely love it. All right. So, you know, that like kind of East coast friendliness that exists, Okay, like that's not in southern Ontario. <laughs> that's no. that's why we recognize it as an East Coast friendliness. Like, mm-hmm. um, and we when we were in Nova Scotia, we would go to spots and end up like just hanging out and drinking with the locals and uh, just hanging out and just chatting and getting to know people and hearing their stories about where they live and what's going on there. But it's very difficult and it feels very almost like there's a tension to approach people. And I think this is a lot of geographical areas, but we live in southwestern Ontario, so um, that exists here. There's, there's, it's intimidating, maybe, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but um, you know, and I am a cisgendered white guy who's maybe I'm the intimidating one. Maybe that's why it's weird. I'm not a small person, but uh, and people tend to see that when they see me. So I don't know. I don't know, but there there is something difficult about breaking down barriers between strangers that I think has has become calcified over you know the last hundred years or something. Right. I don't know you why. Know, Maybe it's because politics is so divisive. Maybe it's because you want to go talk to the stranger, and the stranger says that Donald Trump is fantastic, isn't he? And that's like immediately the litmus test for can we be friends? Because so many people will say how dare you? You're an asshole for saying that. And others will go, yeah, right on, man. But it's hard to find nuance and we don't accept nuance. You're either in or you're out. And, um, you know, we're talking about cancel culture off the top. Yeah, man. Like so many people get canceled. So you hang out with the people you like and you hang out with the people who you know are going to agree with you. And you hang out with people who post the same shit on Facebook as you. And then you call that friendship. It's like, can we have, anyway, I was going to say this circles back to, exactly what you said which is you know why do we go to these clubs or why do we go to these places because we know we're going to find people like us who talk about the same things as we do because it's comfortable Mm -hmm. and we're going to seek commonality whereas i think people who are maybe opened up a little bit more will do the exact opposite of that they'll want to go to places where they can seek differences because they acknowledge the fact that it's out there they know there's differences and they celebrate those that's the big difference right and Mm -hmm. You know, Zach and I have been talking way too much, so I want to ask you about Halifax and that friendliness after, but I think part of the reason why that exists in Nova Scotia, and I could be wrong, is because people there acknowledge the genuine humanity in each other because there's not as much of a sense of classism. Like, the idea of a hotshot lawyer or, like, the Wall Street person, that's not the archetype you really think of when you think of Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, when you think of a Nova Scotian, 
you think of someone that's incredibly friendly, you think of someone that's hardworking, that has like a good family, and I'm obviously painting a very general picture here. There's, of course, nuances and differences in, in the population there, but generally speaking, that's what you think of. And I think the biggest reason is because the value system is placed in a whole different area. It's not placed in how much money you make. It's not placed on the car you drive. And people, generally speaking, by the water, they come from a heritage of fishermen, you know, fisher people, fisher women. Uh, they come from a heritage of hard workers. They're sort of bred from that, where, as in a place like Ontario, the job situation is different and the economic situation is different. So I think people are coming now from more places of privilege, right? I'll say this, being someone who's from an immigrant family, many immigrants have come from different countries and have settled here in southwestern Ontario and become horrifically trapped by the material world, you know, because it's what they were presented with, with that quote-unquote American dream or the dream of immigrating somewhere, was having that big house and having that big car and, you know, all these things, which are just things. But you've seen that kind of carry out with some kids here who come from those families because... They're taught to go after a Ben symbol. They're taught to go after whatever it might be that is material and fills their heart with joy, even though it's just a transient thing. Mm-hmm. And Kanye said the best on St. Pablo, that bonus track off of Life Pablo, which is 400 years later, we're buying our own chains, right? And yeah. mm-hmm. we don't even realize it. But to kind of circle back to what you're talking about, I think the friendliness aspect and the approachability is in a place like Nova Scotia because people come from a different lineage of hard workers. They don't come from the Wall Street gang. They don't come from ridiculous levels of wealth. And they found happiness in family and they found happiness in nature and, and more simple things. And a happiness that was sustainable, not a happiness that was transient because a Ben symbol could disappear tomorrow. Um, you know, a, a power suit or whatever job like we see in this pandemic can disappear mm-hmm. tomorrow, quite literally. You know what doesn't disappear as fast? Family. Most of the time. You know what doesn't disappear? Nature. It's all around you if you know where to look. You know what doesn't disappear? Your value as a human being if you realize that it isn't predicated on the material things around you, which could be a job or a suit or a partner or whatever. It's not predicated on those things. You have value, right? And I honestly think that that's the the Nova Scotian way is like people see each other and they just go, oh, that's a dude. I'm a dude. I'm going to say hi because we're really – the same. They acknowledge the genuine humanity in each other, I think. Now, from a southwestern Ontario perspective, I think there's a number of reasons that I'm probably missing a lot of them here, but I think there's more of the rat race in a place like this because of the way it's set up and because of kind of where people have come from, from the economic rung, from the privilege rung. Yeah, it's, it's that curse of having more and feeling like you should do more and then maybe having more and being more distant from each other. And it's like, why is it, why is it when you have more, you want more? Yeah. You already have it. You already got, you already have it. Anyway. But do you though? <laughs> I got thoughts on happiness, but I want to, I want to let, I want to pass the mic to Tina here. Yeah. Tina, Zach and I have been talking way too much. Um, what's your whole stance on the whole, you know, Nova Scotian friendliness and, and kind of that disparity between there and Ontario being a little bit more standoffish. Break it down. Break it down. I think pe- I think people are a product of their environment, and that goes, you know, across the board for lots of different things. Like there's the whole nature versus nurture, and all these other things that we could probably talk for hours about. But in Ontario, like southwestern Ontario, being a hub for innovation and technology, and you know, lots of different things. The we've got the, you know, kind of. Wall Street people 
in Toronto, whatever. Bay Street. Bay Street. <laughs> I don't know my whole technology, terminology, oh, whatever. Sorry. Anyways, whatever. Uh, but, you know, in Ontario, housing prices are insane. And so if you want to buy a house, you're going to pay a lot of money for it. And that comes with privilege and status and that rat race where you're chasing this great paying job so you can afford that mortgage versus in Nova Scotia where housing prices are a little more reasonable. It seems like, you know, maybe the, maybe a little bit more achievable if someone were to buy their first house. Um, so yeah, on like where we are right now, where, where I was born, Southwestern Ontario is that like, you know, you got to achieve the next level. And, and I struggle with that too, of the, the job I'm, I'm doing or jobs I've done. I don't feel like I'm good enough sometimes. Um, and that, you know, that's just that constant internal battle that I need to have with myself of like, and what you were saying before, like the job that you're doing and who you are, like, that's not, you know, your value and your worth comes from who you are as a person and not what you're doing. So yeah, it's, hmm. I don't really know. Worth, you know, and, uh, Zach can definitely agree on this. You're more than good at us at everything that you do. Um, and I'm not even saying that because I'm on the podcast and I know it's from an external source, so it only means so much, but I, from my lens, think you are more than good enough at all the things you do. Thanks, Ryan. I, I just struggle with like, you know, I went to university. I have a bachelor's of science. The job I'm doing, I do not use my degree at all. And I'm like, even today, looked up, you know, if I were to go back to school and trade in my degree to put credits towards another and, you know, go and get that master's and get that career and get that stable job that may have some more things that I want in life. But you know, all of that's relative too. And this, this whole conversation kind of proves it, right? Like, what am I striving for? What's it, what's important? Am I chasing that next best thing? Um, or what I think I want, um, versus like just being okay with the job that I have right now and who I am right now and what else can I be doing in life based on, you know, the status and circumstances I'm in right now. Um, what's the cost of it? You know, like not even money, but like if you went that route and like, you know, Bay Street, Masters, whatever it might have been, it's like, you know, we're always looking at the plus sides, but like, what's the cost of it? You know, the one thing that Zach and I talked about too is like David Goggins is putting out all this motivational stuff and I, I think it's fantastic, but what's the cost of being David Goggins, right? Like, what's his relationship like with his family, with his kids, with himself, truly? Like, what? What is that like? Is there room for empathy when it comes to the people around him, or is it more machine-like because of how he's trained himself? I don't know, and I'm not judging because I don't actually know the man, but in all circumstances, we kind of have to say, like, what's the cost, you know? And I look at the life that you and Zach have, and I look at who you've both become, and I'm not only beaming with pride over it, but if you went the other way, like, what would you lose? And not just money, but, like, your time, or maybe sense of empathy whatever it might be sure you might gain stuff but there would be sacrifices made along the way and it's like you know i'm not saying it would be all bad sure there'd be great parts about that but 
life is long, and I think you both have done wonderfully well for yourselves. And food, water, shelter, obviously those things are taken care of. And even if you made $100,000 a year or a million dollars a year, it's like you would just have more stuff and an opportunity to do more stuff. But I don't know. It's like you still leave or leave a rich life now in terms of what you both do, in my opinion, right? Thanks, Ryan. I guess the other thing I'm starting to explore more is I feel this kind of internal rumbling of like, you know, my talents and skills and who I am, like maybe I should be doing more. And what does that look like? Like what else can I contribute to society? And maybe that looks like a different career and more training for me to find, you know, that purpose, that sense of like, you know, I can go to work every day or wake up every morning and feel like this is a hundred percent where I should be. I mean, I have that sometimes with my job right now and I've had that in the past, but then I, I think I'm, I don't know, this whole pandemic thing, I'm doing a lot of like self-reflection and like, oh yeah, (laughs) didn't really quite finish all of that healing and stuff from therapy and and whatever. Um, So yeah, I guess that's the the whole other side of it is like for everyone to realize, you know, and obviously chasing chasing money and and whatever power uh, looks different for everyone. And yeah, there's that side, but also, you know, does everyone feel comfortable with who they are? Because I mean, you may not feel up to talking to just anyone if if there's certain barriers where. You know, if you don't feel comfortable with who we are and they don't feel comfortable with who they are, then you may not be able to have that conversation to realize like, oh, I'm a human, you're a human. We have things in common, right? No matter where we come from. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a question of stewardship there. Like stewardship meaning stewardship of your potential and, pardon me, um, like Ryan, you said off the top about the ways that you believe your like financial situation and your, 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 there are other things you added to that as well. Financial situation was one though, when you talk about responsibility, right? Um, having responsibility that comes through privilege, but there's a responsibility to each of us to use our potential to, to seek to fulfill our potential for, I think the benefit of others in a, like in a self-given kind of way mm. where, um, yeah, maybe that means we keep going to school if we have the ability to go. There are a lot of people out there who would not get through university. And that's, yeah. and that's not like, that's not, I'm not saying that's a fault of their own, like whatever, nurture, nature, whatever it might be. Um, there are a lot of people who that's just not a, a realistic route. And it, I think the problem is that's become a, it's become a value judgment in in the way that we exist, and I don't think it needs to be. I don't think it should be, but it just is, unfortunately. Um, but when we have the potential to succeed in, you know, whatever that looks like, I use succeed kind of loosely, but where am I going? Like the potential to contribute in a good way 
I, um, not I just, definitely, yeah. sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, not, I'm not talking about earning potential. That's what I mean. Like I'm not talking about like how much money can you possibly make? I'm talking about, can, do you have a mind that can, that you can sit and help people? You can sit and listen to somebody. Do you have the abilities to like plan out how to help your community be a better community? Can you organize people? Are you good at public speaking? Are you, do you have like no social anxiety about getting on stage and making an announcement? Like what? That's a gift. Like I think all of us need to be like, we need to recognize that we have gifts. Right. And part of that I think comes from recognizing that where there's a gift, there's a gift giver. And a lot of people want to acknowledge that gift giver in different ways. I acknowledge it as God, but when God has given us a gift, just like when your parents give you a gift, like they expect you to treat that gift with with care and love, and they also expect you to enjoy that gift and to use it to, um, you know, a great example would be going to your house and playing Xbox as kids. It's like it'd be very different because I also had friends who said, no, you're not allowed to play my Xbox. Only I play my Xbox. And then I kind of feel like, oh, I guess I'm not like worthy of an Xbox, or I guess I'm not a good enough friend, or I guess I'm not, you know, whatever. There's something lacking in me that I'm not allowed to touch your Xbox is so special to you, but your possession has become more valuable to you than like making me feel welcome. And like, I'm, you know, a valuable member of this friendship or whatever it is. Like I'm, that's like kid talk, right? It's kid processing, but as adults, it's like when we recognize there's potential in me to contribute something good here. And whether that's finances, where we go, oh, okay, there's a great need, um, like financially, or whether it's just like having an able body that can go to a place and pack meals into containers or serve food or like, I don't know, whatever it is, clean up your for- clean up the forest in your neighborhood, pick up garbage, like go hand out a letter to your neighbors. What potential do you have? that is that is able to be a good gift to the world just as it was a gift to you um so but that's really that's a really different angle than you know how can i monetize everything right and you know what what i'd want to caution any listeners to this and even ourselves in this conversation about is two things i mean potential is going to be so contextual to who you are and kind of where you come from and the circumstances that you're born in as well, right? It's like the, the starting line has kind of shifted for everybody and it affects where we're at. And two, that sense of potential and purpose is going to be flexible. You know, the sense of purpose that you had five years ago, the sense of purpose that you had a week ago might be completely different than what you have now. And that shifts as our character does, that shifts as we gain more skills and open up new possibilities. That also shifts as we unlearn some of the things that we've learned. You know, Western society and culture is so fixated on self-improvement, quote-unquote, and learning, learning, learning all these things without sometimes doing some house cleaning and unlearning some of the scripts and narratives that have pervaded many of us uh, as young people that carry on to adulthood. And then they're so insidious that we don't even know our things, right? We don't even know our sort of impediments to our daily lives, and fulfilling our purpose and fulfilling all these things. Now, that's going to look different, again, for some people. I think it is a beautiful thing if there is a barista who smiles at someone while giving them their coffee and makes them feel like they're a welcome human being, which might be all that person needed to just live another day. And I'm going to get emotional talking about this, but man, 
young men need such little encouragement to do good things in this world. There's there's such a like the level of nurture doesn't have to be massive for young men, especially, and I'm only speaking coming from that place, to do good things and to avoid some of the destructive behaviors that they have on not only themselves, but the people around them, right? Like, we talk about feminism, we talk about classism, we talk about all these things. The biggest job that we have is to level the playing field for everyone and not only encourage women to be feminists, but encourage men and those who identify as men to be feminists as well. And, And I guess what I'm getting at here is like these senses of potential and purpose are flexible and contextual, right? So if somebody wants to go to Bay Street, I know I keep making that comparison as like the higher echelon of achievement. If someone wants to do that or get a master's or, or do some incredible thing or make it to the MBA, fantastic. But it does not take away from the value of what somebody might want to do if they just want to coach Little League their entire lives or if they want to work at Starbucks. Like mm-hmm. those, like it's, it's the same thing it's the same sense of potential and purpose but it's just flexible and i think the biggest thing that we can do and what the pandemic has taught us is that we have to come at these from non-judgmental places either way so you know helping your neighbors fantastic smiling at somebody on the street also fantastic one of those things isn't better than the other maybe there's other people affected at a higher scale sure but it's the same thing with trauma i remember going to my therapist and him telling me you know because I told him, like, well, I think I've been through these things, but you're not really that bad compared to people that have come in here, right? And he looked at me and he said, I've had people that have come in here who were sex traffic workers who've been through horrific things. I've had some people come in here who've gone through breakups. What I tell them is this. Say there's a kid who's living in New York and his mom dies. Say there's another kid who's living in uh, Seattle. His dog dies. Which one is more sad? And I said, uh, I don't know. And he looked at me and he said, neither. They're both sad. They both went through loss. There's there's no point quantifying the gravity of one trauma over the next. Oh, well, what I went through is worse than what you went through. Or, you know, what I'm doing is better than what you're doing because of X, Y, and Z. Probably not. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think we're so quick to label successes as being greater than one another in this weirdly mathematical and quantifiable way But I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier, which is, in my opinion, the barista smiling at that person who really needed it, to me, is significant compared to the person who went to Wall Street and did the high-reaching thing. And I think the second you lose that is when you lose a sense of genuine humanity for the people around you, in my opinion. Totally. Totally. Scoop. Yeah, scoop indeed. (laughs) Yeah, and it's just... And how can we move to a place of celebrating one another where we're at and lifting each other up and meeting each other's needs and just leveling that playing field? Totally. Education, baby. That's not school necessarily, but education. Mm -hmm. Like when we have kids, you know, and we teach them that different people from different races or different economic backgrounds or whatever, all valid. Go talk to all of them. You know, Mm -hmm. I come from a fabric of people that would go and talk to anybody. And it's kind of why I admire like the Pharrells of the world or like you guys or whatever it might be. It's like, you'll just go talk to anybody. Pharrell, are we Pharrell? You just put Pharrell and us in the same wheelbarrow? I 100% did that. And it's oh. not like a wheelbarrow. It's more like a rocket ship that's made out of wheelbarrows. But, you know, we're arguing <laughs> details at that point. Um, no, but honestly, like, 
I have no problem putting you and Pharrell in the same category. You know why? Because you're both human beings. That's why. <laughs> Honestly, like, it's, it's kind of the ethos of this whole conversation is like that sense of equality and genuine humanity that exists within all of us. Right. And this circles back to the COVID thing, too, because it doesn't matter what level of the spectrum you're at in terms of the economic rung. This affects everybody equally. Yep. You know, and that's, that's what it's, it's, it's shown us, right? So people from all different levels have lost jobs. People from all different levels are experiencing things, right? And we're all having to self-isolate because it doesn't discriminate. And mm-hmm. when those things happen, I think it teaches us the most lessons. When we have things happen to people around us, to us, etc., that don't necessarily discriminate, that are ubiquitous things, it connects us, whether good or bad, right? Like we all go through life, we all go through love, we all go through death. Those things connect us, whether they're good or bad or whatever connotation you want to put with them, because they're ubiquitous. And I think, to kind of circle back, you know, full circle, the more points of connection we find and are willing to discover and willing to celebrate, I think the happier we're going to be because we realize all these things unite us at the end of the day. Regardless of what money you make, regardless of what your status or title is or how many partners you've been with or whatever, it's like there's a lot of things, more things, I think, that join us together and make us the same than there are things that are different. And that's lovely because even the things that are different kind of make us the same in a weird way. Mm. Yeah, Dina's snapping her fingers. Way to go, man. Well, hey, tell us about... uh we got to wrap up here soon, but um, I don't know. What else can we say? <laughs> what else can we say? I love, I love how you led so strong. You're like, well, tell us about. I was going to say, tell us. I was, I was going to here's what I was going to say. And then thought about it. I was going to say, tell us about your poetry. Tell us about your book. Mm-hmm. Tell us about, tell us about some of the things that you are working on. And I thought, you know, maybe that's counterintuitive because we just talked about how our value is not our work, but. At the same time, this is the paradox of it all. Because at the same time, you have um, you have put a lot of energy and a lot of love into your work. And uh, I did read your whole book cover to cover. I can't remember any of it. Uh, you know what I do remember? The one I do remember <laughs> is Moonwalking on the Ocean Floor. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That, that was a special one. Um, uh, that one was beautiful because it actually, when I wrote that, it allowed me and gave me the idea to write the second book which I just wrapped up um did I send that your way no damn I guess I so I don't I don't know if I told you this but during the pandemic I wrote produced and wrapped my second book and I obviously haven't put it out yet but oh. I'm doing a short film and an album with it so I'm scoring it like I would have film <laughs> what and uh yes. yeah I wrapped that up during this pandemic <laughs> but I had the idea for it when I wrote moonwalking on the sea floor because uh you know, if I can remember off the top of my head, it's like, if you see steps on the sea floor, would you breathe less or would you breathe more? <clears throat> the waves that pave the way for us are now the waves that pave the way for us that rush to our shores and remind us that the ocean is upset. Um, if you see steps on the sea floor, would you breathe less or breathe more? Right? Like that's, for me, it's an ode to heritage and the fact that people that have come from the slave ships that my ancestors are from, some of them didn't make it. Some of them fell off. Some of them remain as remains on the sea floor. Mm-hmm. And when I wrote that, I was like, damn, I think I have an idea for a whole other project here. So I won't speak about the other one too much, but I'll send it your way and you can let me know what you think. Yeah. And I am so grateful and flattered that you read the other one. That means the world to me. But 
Yeah, it's what I can say about that project is I don't even feel like those words are mine anymore. And even though I just wrapped the second book, I also don't feel like those words are mine anymore because I'm already moved on to the third one. And it's like, you know, those things are cool. And I feel kind of weird talking about it because, yeah, it's awesome that I wrote a book during a pandemic. Fine. But even if I didn't, it would still be fine. It's just like, you know, I'm an ultra productive person by nature because I just love my work that much. And I'm super lucky that I do. But different people, different circumstances, man. Like I think some people are finding out what their passions are because this pandemic has forced them to slow down or maybe they're just finally starting to explore new things that leads to something else. I don't know. Maybe they're not doing any of that stuff. It's all valid and it's all fine. Um, but for me, poetry is a pleasure. Um, producing a short film and an album is a pleasure. And this project is really, really special to me. And, uh, it all came from that moonwalking on the seafloor uh, piece that I wrote. And it's funny because I wrapped up one poem, in, uh, the new project, which is called Channel Blue, and it's already led to a third one. And yeah, it's uh, I have a very difficult time talking about my work, which is weird because I talk about everything else and talk too much sometimes. But it's very personal. It's I kind of took like the Rick Rubin approach on it where I wrote it, wrote it, wrote it, and then just streamlined and made it really minimal. It's punchy. And it's actually an open letter to my kids one day. So that's uh, that's really fun. But I'll send it your way and you can judge yourself. Um, aside from that, other things I've done during this pandemic, I don't know. I finished up one of the biggest branding projects of my entire life and am on track to take on another one. Uh, one for Conestoga College, one that I strapped up for the University of Guelph. Because of the NDAs, I can't speak too much on them, but they're super impact-driven brand identities that I've crafted for both. Um, Still working at the university. Uh, I try and work out, pursue gymnastics and dance a lot more. Been reading. Uh, And you know what? Actually, it's going to sound ridiculous after I said all that, but I'm taking a lot more time to do nothing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I know it sounds weird, like a weird flex, but it's true. Like, you know what I'm doing after this? nothing i'm taking a bath and going to bed because this conversation was exhausting in the best way possible mm. um and i'm super happy to have it but it just it takes a lot of energy right yeah but i'm so i'm, I'm yeah sorry I'm, one more thing i'm just i'm doing that but i'm also doing it guilt-free and i think to tina's point in the beginning of this podcast like it taught me that i can do a lot but i also shouldn't feel guilty for taking time to not and to just hit the pavement and go 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 all the time it's senseless because you'll be burnt out. So I'm, I'm practicing a balance of going super hard at things and producing a lot, which is in my nature, but then stepping back and taking baths and, you know, really treating myself kindly. Mm. Scrub that smelly button. Yeah, this ass is stank. <laughs> well, hey, man, um, last thing. <laughs> you, you have, you've now broken our record. This is going to be the longest episode we've got, which will be pretty good. Um nah. Great episode. We're already at one hour, 30 minutes. We have to do intro, outro as well after we're off with you. But I think it's good. I think it's all it's all going to stay in. And I just want to know at the end of this all, if you want to you drop a little promo for it, you want to drop your Instagram handle, do you want to drop your Twitter, do you want to drop your website, what do you want to do? Where can people go to find out more about Brian Andalusa? Um. You know what? I don't want to do any of that. Good. Um, cool. That's okay. Yeah. I just, uh, I just want to say that I love both of you deeply, and I'm so happy that I've got a chance to be on this. And uh, 
yeah, I'm, I'm so happy. If anybody wants to find me, they'll figure it out. But BrianAndalusa.com. BrianAndalusa.com, where you can buy Wagyu steak for astronomically cheap prices. BrianAndalusa.au. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like someone's gonna look that up and they're gonna find something they just like did not want to find. Like yeah. they're gonna find a picture of that woman with the two kids just sucking them. But it's fourteen years later. It's not gonna be good. Um, no, I don't want to promote anything. And honestly, I just want to say that I adore, admire both of you, and I love that you're doing this podcast idea. And I think you're providing value to people, and you've always done that. Yeah, and that you're both just wonderful, and I appreciate both of you a lot. We love you too, Ryan. We do love you. Scoop. Scoop. Thanks for giving of your time tonight and all of your wisdom and insight. Yeah, man. Likewise. And the one, the one thing I want to say too is like, this is what a normal conversation is like between Zach and I. It's the like, this is normally what kind of how it goes, which is only a testament to how wise and awesome both of you are. Which leads me to that we should definitely do this again. Yeah, a thousand percent yes. I, I'll have this conversation or any conversation with both of you anytime. Ten four. Okay, man. I'm hanging up now. Lots of love. Have a good Bye, bath. Guys. I will. Bye. Yeah. Alright, well big shout out to Ryan Antua down in Waterloo, Ontario or up and over in Waterloo, Ontario, I should say. We are the down ones mm-hmm. down here in Southtown, Ontario. But what do we got coming up? We've got Eric Lepp, Eric Lepp's Channy coming. Weans, Jeremy Bensett. We're going to talk all about birds. Ecuador. Oh, we got to do finish the research on Ecuador. Ecuador is yeah. in rough shape in the pandemic, and we're going to try and we do have a statement from, from a friend of a friend there, and we're going to do some research and give you a little bit of info on the situation in Ecuador. Mm-hmm. I think that's all we've got lined up, but we're happy to talk with anyone, and we're we're trying to find new people to have conversation with. Yep, so we hope if you like this podcast, you share it with some friends, share it with some family, listen to it again. You can leave a five-star review if you think it's worth five stars. If it's only worth two stars, please be honest. Leave a two-star review. Let us and know how, what we can do better. Let us know what we can do better. How can we get three stars? Help us out, people. Probably me formulating answers a little bit better. Formulating answer. I mean, or processing. I don't know. Whatever. We're doing My mind okay. just gets blown and I'm like, I... It's hard to keep going. I had a nap, so I feel like <sighs> a million bucks right now, but... I had margaritas because it's Cinco de Mayo, so Mayo... Cinco de Mayo? See, margaritas just really did me in. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us in the great indoors. Hope you're well. We do hope you're well. <laughs>